Ready? Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. A podcast where we listen to video game music. This is episode 15-10, the end of season 15, or world 15. And Purnell and I are alone in the room. My name is Rob. <laughs> My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell, and I don't mean to alarm Ooh, you. I'm way off, out of whack here. I gotta recalibrate. Also, we're not alone in the room because Elvis is a being of cuteness. Yes. And he is there pacing in a circle yeah. right now. My doggy Elvis is walking around the room. He wants to get out, he wants, to, he get wants out, to get back in. But then he wants to get back in, so he's staying in the room with us. That's what he gets for being so precious. Mm. So, uh, we did announce last week that we were going to have guests on this episode, but didn't happen. So, you know what? Stay tuned for that, because it's just it's just got rerouted to another look, another uh, episode. A warp zone. It's in the warp zone. It's, 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 we're piping it out to um, another world. Actually, it will be in another world. It will be in world 16. Exactly, see? So well, unfortunately, thematic and relevant. It's a water world, though, so it's going to, everyone hates those. Bring your frog suit. <laughs> Bring the frog suit. Um, so we should say that if you're listening to this episode on Monday, that means tomorrow. That means that tomorrow, November 27th, we are doing our live stream podcast anniversary. Oh my God, it's all coming up so fast. It's fast, fast, fast. Time, man. I, I can't, I can't get a grasp on it's it. It's just happening. <coughs> so, and then when I find yeah. time, I find moments. And then I use them up on dopey things. Like, <laughs> I, I go to work, and I come home after a long day, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, this will be a perfect time to get into my, some time for my reviews, or this will be a good time to clean up around the house. Right. And then something really weird has happened in the last few weeks, or mostly last week, and that is that I've become obsessed with rewatching episodes of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Are on you YouTube. serious? Yes. That you're watching the you're the Captain Lou Albano and, yes. and what's his name? I'm <laughs> yeah. watching all those the old episodes one. and getting my nostalgia fix because like I remember wow. I watched them all and recorded them off of the TV on VHS when I was a child. I see. Let me forget. More like an adult. I was a kid. Whatever. I was at age of times where I had access to a VCR, right. and it was fantastic. I loved the cartoon and. For as terrible as the animation was, yeah. and for as hokey as some of the plots were, uh-huh. it still holds up as being entertaining. Hmm. I mean, for example, the last episode I was watching involved Mario, all of them being captured. It was Mario, Luigi, some random toad named Toad. I'm guessing it was meant to be Mario 2's Toad. And the princess, they were all captured by Koopa, and he was about to kill the Mario brothers, literally. Nice. And... Princess Toadstool, because she was Toadstool back mm-hmm. then, agreed to marry him in order to save her mushroom people, which he never explained why he had them in the first place, and <laughs> rescue the Mario Brothers, of which, of course, then the Mario Brothers have to rescue her from getting married to King Koopa. But then they bring out Koopa's mother, who has, like, some, like, <laughs> Tina Turner garb on. That's awesome. Who runs into the castle like, Koopa's darling! <laughs> this is your bride! And it was just, just it was so weird. Mm. And every time I heard Mauser say anything, yeah. I chuckled. Because he had this really, like... I remember he had a strange s- voice, right? Yeah, like, oh, he, like, he was, like, part gangster, part doofus. <laughs> like, I'm going to kid These Mario Brothers are about to go down the drain. <laughs> it was like, well... 
you were intimidating in a sense, and then you started laughing, and it all just kind of went away. Well, I had a similar experience, and, and we'll get into our music soon, um, but I had a similar experience where on Saturday or Sunday, uh, Christy and I started watching the new She-Ra. Um, oh, how is and it? The, and the Princesses of Power. I loved it. I We watched the whole thing in one day. How many episodes does it have? Like, like 13? And so we we watched it throughout the day. We kept kept coming home for certain things when we're like well, catching a couple episodes. But it's um it's just it's written really cleverly. Not clever. It's just it's charming and it's fun to watch. It's it's created by Noel Stevenson, who created uh, the comics Nimona and the Lumberjanes, which are awesome. Well, I like Nimona more than the Lumberjanes. You've but heard of those? Yes, we own them. Oh, <laughs> random is all this. It's really, really good. So, um, and I mean, it's definitely for kids, but it's so it's so funny in places. And it's really fun to watch. But on the same tip where you were watching the old Super Mario Super Show, we found that they had the original episodes of She-Ra on Netflix, like the original episodes. Oh, so you started watching those too? It's a bad trip. It is weird. It yeah. is it is weird. In, a, in an awful kind of way, but that just means soon it's it'll be so it'll weird. be appropriate to watch the He Man and She Rock Christmas special. Is, was there? I was, I'm sure there was one. There was. Oh my it god! It was deliciously terrible. I mean, it is He Man is weird. He has a weird, dumb voice, even though like his muscles Hi. are bulging out of his clothes. And, I'm Prince Adam. Oh, I know. It's so strange. I was. I was like, if I no one could tell that He Man and Prince Adam are the same person. If, if yeah, if we were, if I was under the influence of. Robotism. Anything watching this this show, it would be a bad trip. It is so strange. It was strange in the most bizarre way. I can imagine. Yeah, I was, mean, but uh, but but the new Shira show, I really really highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. I love the whole thing. Well, it's I mean, great. I'll add that to my ridiculous list of shows yeah. I should be trying to watch. Well, but it's I'm on watching Mario and Luigi so. run a BMX race. <laughs> Well, I mean, the first couple episodes, they're only like 22, 23 minutes. So just check them out. I, th- I think they're really worth it. If, if you can stay awake long enough after your, your marathon of the Super Mario Super Show. That's right. That and <laughs> One Piece. All 900 oh, man, so million much. episodes. So this episode is a wild card since um, we were kind of thrown for a loop and sort of just tossed into it. But we I made have, it work. We have made it work. We oh, have. Um, oh, we didn't make it work. <laughs> we're coping it worked. <laughs> a lot of this episode is um, either uh, backup tracks from previous episodes or just um, songs that I liked a lot but couldn't think of a place to put them in. Or so, in my case... Me going through the the problem that was the the mental card catalog. I'm like eh, that could work. No, <laughs> so, I already used that. What about it? Ooh. so? Here we go. This this is a track. I think we did like a Matoi Sakuraba episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is from Tales of Fantasia, the Castle of Daos for the Super Nintendo, composed by Motoi Sakuraba. He's a good Sakuraba man. Yeah, he's a good Sakuraba. He's a good man. Sakurab Nichols. <laughs> <laughs>
you're listening to the Castle of Daos from the game Tales of Fantasia for the Super Nintendo, composed by Motoi Sakuraba. And, and Pernod he was like, oh, that's, that's Sakuraba. That's like all Sakuraba. That's Sakuraba doing the most Sakuraba thing he's ever done. And considering that this is, well, I won't say early in his career, but I guess it has, he kind of was yeah, yeah, early yeah, in yeah. his career. I mean, I mean, like, considering how long ago this was. Yeah, yes, and, yes. And, that he's, and he's still composing. Oh, yeah, and he's still composing well. Still compo- yeah, yeah, he's still a master. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but, is, this is like him being like, no, 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 no. I want to do a keyboard solo all over the track. And like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's got that fun, like, like rock, that rock beat, that big driving beat, that bat, 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 bat. Thing is, uh, I didn't even know, like, Tales of Fantasia had tracks like this. Because I've, I haven't played a lot of the game, mm-hmm. but it's been on that, you know, the back burner kick. And I have especially fond memories of this game because there was a moment when I tried to play it. Yeah. But uh, what ended up happening was I was playing a fan translation. This is before the Game Boy Advance translation came out. And as I'm playing the game, I'm thinking everything's fairly normal. Things are great. And then there's a scene where you get on a boat and you're like traveling across the ocean and the characters are having conversations and the conversation gets really wrong. Like, like we can't talk about it on the podcast. Really, really? wrong. Really? Yes. On the SNES. Yes. It was, I was like, what is, I thought, is this like, what kind of fan translation am I playing here? This oh, is weird. not right. Like, the game is still enjoyable. Like, violent or sexual? Sexual. Wow. It was very exp- bizarre. Uh-huh. Like, how did, like, because, I mean, like you've seen the game before. <laughs> you've seen the game before, Maybe, right? maybe, no. Oh, well, Tales of Fantasia is, uh, well, the Tales series. I'm assuming it's a Tales series game. It's like, it's like, it's like an action RPG, right? Yeah, action, well, they're, yeah, action RPG battles in the normal movement. They're, like, all squatty characters. Ador- almost adorable looking, even. And, um, yeah, they, they look cool. So everything about it in my eyes was like, this has to be an innocent game. Oh, and obviously it is. I mean, okay. the real translation, I'm sure, had none of that in On it. the Super Famicom uh, box art, that, there's an amazing horse. Winged horse. Yeah, Joker's just glistening. That thing is awesome looking. I know. But, like, those are, like, my weirder memories about this game is that, that awful translation. Well, I don't even want to call it awful, but just really bizarre. Huh. And that... I'm sure I wonder how many listeners of how he played this. Everybody be like, oh my god, I remember that fan translation too. <laughs> but uh, because we're talking like the late nineties here. Uh, okay. early I wonder I wonder if it made 90s. it to the uh to the I wonder if it made it to whatever, the uh like the Game Boy Advance version. No, it did not. <laughs> no, it did not. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they did their cut. own translation for that. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, this is this is what I uh what I had picked out. Because like when I hear music like this, it reminds me of, for some reason, Sega Saturn music that you played on the show. Oh, yeah. Well, for good reason. I got a feeling some of the stuff I picked from Saturn was by him. By Matoya Sakuraba. Because that's what he does. It, it, basically, if it was a Camelot game, right? Um, chances are he was the man behind the behind the keys. <laughs> and for good reason. They knew, what, they knew who they were hiring there. But, um, of course, that makes me now wonder if anybody listening has asked to come across any bizarro fan translation games and what they were because I need to add those to my registry of bizarre fan translations. <laughs> my registry. My gift registry. My bizarro translation registry. That's correct. Regist- I'm starting it right now. Yeah. Because I want them. Yeah. Let us know. Oh my god, that was a weird translation. Yeah. What? I wonder other weird... I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of weirdos. Weird. I'm sure there's plenty of weirdos out there. Oh, those weirdos out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are too. But just that's different. Maybe find just different. Them. Um, all right, what is your first track? That's why I wanted to get our show kicked off with something, something, uh, something peppy. Well, I think mine's not going to change that tune anytime soon because 
This was definitely a case where I, ke I kept finding myself checking to make sure I never picked it before because I can't believe I didn't pick this before. And if I did but didn't see it on our usual tracker, then I'm going to feel like a stooge. But guess what? You'll hear it again and, and you'll like and it. We still haven't doubled up on anything, so I'll be surprised. Well, let's give this a shot and hope it's not going to change anytime soon. This is from the game Atelier Iris Eternal Mana. And the track is titled Ferocious Drive. And the track is composed by Daisuke Achiwa and Ken Nakagawa. You are listening to Ferocious Drive from the game Atelier Iris Eternal Mana, composed for the PlayStation 2 by Daisuke Achiwa and Ken Nakagawa, and I seriously cannot believe I never picked this, this track for the show It's a great track. That opening, where it like builds up and builds up, I feel like it's supposed to be um, a double kick drum, that dig, 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 dig. but instead it sounds almost like a keyboard going dig, 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 like twinkly, it's and I, I love that. Like It builds and builds and builds, but then it's like... Oh, it's gonna get synthy. This is another example <laughs> of one of those tracks that, like, you might play in your head when you're about to face some kind of really uh, uh, massive challenge that just stands before you. How are you going to overcome it? How are you going to, you know, leap the wall to security, secure safety, or whatever the heck word I want to come up with? Well, here. let me tell you this: we, uh, uh, you know, us, we're Americans, and it's November. We have Thanksgiving coming up, and some of us have planned a large feast. <laughs> and how are you gonna how are you gonna tackle that terrific taste sensation that is Thanksgiving dinner? Um, Play this music in your head. Chris Christy and I are cooking a lot and there are not that many people coming from for dinner. So we're gonna be staring at that meal with ferocious drive in our eyes and in our ears. Looking at that pie. <laughs> Looking at those mashed potatoes. Ah! I've got that spark. Time to go to Devour Tail. I got that glass of wine. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's straight. <laughs> but like, yeah, this is the funny thing is when I first heard this track, I had the game didn't hadn't been out in the states, mm -hmm. and I had never seen it. I don't even know why I came across. I think it was by accident. And I was listening to it, I loved it, and I kept listening to it over and over again. What system was this for? PlayStation Two. Oh, no kidding. And it eventually got a. Trans uh, the official translation for the states, 
And when I realized that this was the game with this track in it, I got really excited. I'm so hyped up and ready to play. It also was my first Atelier game, which, as listeners might know, is an RPG series that centers around alchemy. Um, okay, I, I know I've seen Atelier in, in some other game title before. Oh, there's a lot of there's them. A, there's a lot of them. I didn't know it was a series. Mm-hmm. This was just the first, but after this one also, came out, they started just kind of falling from the sky. Also, I just realized I misspelled ferocious, and I spelled it ferocious. Mm. Too fast, ferocious? Too fast, too ferocious. <laughs> but like, no, they just do spell ferocious. The game finally came out, and I ended up buying it. And while the game is good, and I like the artwork, and I enjoyed dabbling with the alchemy, there was I set a bar for this track that the game had no chance of meeting. <laughs> like, I wanted some kind of that's catastrophic encounters to be taking place you, while this played. So you heard this music first, and you're like, this better live up to, like, what's going on in my mind. And it does not. And is it just a bunch of weird dialogue scenes in a boat? <laughs> oh, no, thank heavens for that. No <laughs> dice. This is just, it's, a, it's a boss battle theme. Yeah. And boss battles sure, are so fun. Sounds like a boss battle. It's just they're not... This doesn't do it. Like, the hmm. battles in this game don't match up to this musical pace. Man. Not that it makes it bad on either side. It's just, that's all in my head, really. It's just like that one track I picked eons ago from Calm. Was the Crystal Chronicles game, the side game they did? Yeah, Where yeah, it's yeah. like the final boss theme. was like, <laughs> I never want to play this game. Yeah. Because I don't want to see what this is, what's happening on the screen while this is taking place. That's, that's what happens. it. That's what happens to people who are, like, obsessed with game music before they get into the game. It's like, oh, it's never going to live up to the hype. Can't live up to the hype. Like, this is playing oh, during what? A re- menu? Remind me on my very last bonus track that I, I have a, I have something to say about that. Because it lived up to the hype. Oh. Yeah. Um, but this one... Um, may or may not live up to the hype because I'm never going to play this game. <laughs> and I'm oh, going to get is it some game that like is a total Japanese. No, well, no, it, it was it's a Game Boy Color game. Um, I was originally looking for a sports title called Carl Lewis Athletics 2000, and I lost the track. It's gone forever. It's just like it's just a dumb sports game, you know, where it's like a bunch of mini games thrown together, but it's like old on the Game Boy. But it had a great soundtrack. But instead, I found this one, ESPN, International Track and Field Summer Games. Oh, you could totally play this. Track and Field games aren't sport games. No, but they're just, I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of like, what you know, you know what to expect. That is, but it is. But Track and Field. And it's ESPN. That is true. Um, but and, it, ESPN did Extreme Games. Okay, this is the track called Country Selector. So I guess you're just selecting your country. And it's composed by Norihiko Hibino and Kasuki Morioka. And, yeah, get into this. This is a cool track. It's like your country selector. One country must rise, <laughs> and one country must fall. Yeah, think, think about that while you're listening to it. <laughs> Actually, this, this, this music we're listening to right now fits for everything. I'm so into it. Ferocious Drive goes with everything. That's the meme, baby. Let's it get it started. Be. Let's do it. Thank you. 
This is the Country Selector from ESPN International Track and Field Summer Games for the Game Boy Color, composed by Norihiko Hibino and Katsuki Miraoka. Yeah, this is a fun track. You know, I don't want to stop still harming it. Yeah, it's it's something about tracks on the Game Boy Color specifically that that uh, uh, these composers really. I feel like they get a lot of like rhythm out of that sound chip. You know, this thing is. I like this track. I. I, I it makes me sad because now I feel like I'll never play it. Though, I guess being that it's on the Game Boy Color, it should be easy enough to access if I really want to dive in just to see what it plays like. But I honestly, from the sports game perspective, I will say track and field titles are amongst the few that break through the threshold of it's a sport so it's not fun for me. Like, mm. like I used to play the Konami track and field games, yeah. the first one. Honestly, I barely remember the first one. Track and Field 2 is the one that really stands out. That was when I had that's what, that was the one where I was exposed to the famous Konami whistle sound, and I still mimic it to this day. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they, they did that. Yeah, track. I remember. I used to play Track and Field 2 a whole whole lot with my cousin uh, Mike, and um, they had games like uh, there was diving. Yeah, the diving, which we could never like, figure out. I would just do the ball spin the whole time. <laughs> it's like, yeah. man, check knife, check knife, check knife. Um, and then there was um, uh, Taekwondo, mm-hmm. which was like, like, ooh, we finally get to play Street Fighter, but it wasn't really... I almost like there was a triple jump in it, too. I think so. There was a triple a jump, there was a meter dash. Yeah, there's a lot of button-mashing games. Ugh. But somehow, it still mentally holds up for me. I'm not hmm. sure if I'd enjoy it if I went back and tried it. Could be the next Rhythm and Pixels check game. <laughs> that would be a, a very bizarre choice, <laughs> but it could be. That would be really funny. Um, so it looks like this composer has actually done quite a bit um, more in the 2000s, actually. Like a Metal Gear Ghost Bobble. Ghost Bobble? Yeah, I don't know that one. Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance. The ga- oh, Ghost Babble! Uh, Yakuza like B-A-D-E-L? 2. Yeah, Rumble Roses, Double X. Okay. All right, so yeah, a lot, like, a lot of cool stuff here. You really threw me off, though. I didn't think you were saying, like, Metal Gear Ghost Babble. I thought you said Metal Gear, then Ghost Bobble. Bobble, yeah. Like a second Bob- game. Bubble Bobble. <laughs> like dead dinosaurs blowing <laughs> bubbles somehow. Dead di- No, the dinosaurs, they just have eye patches. It's all good. Yar! <laughs> but we haven't played some Game Boy music in a while, and I'm really into this. So, hope you enjoy it. Pernell, what is your next one? Apparently I need to dig more into some Game Boy music. It's what needs to happen. Yeah. Though I just have trouble finding it, though, but I'll get to that later. For now, let's talk about this game that is not a Game Boy title, but was really close. <laughs> um, this is from the game Pokemon Black and White, and this is the Elite Four battle theme. And the series, and this game, rather, has a lot of composers. Well, why don't we just list them on after the track? Let's do that. Because we got a whole bunch to go through. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's like... A lot of that, some of the, some of the tracks were arranged, and so they still list the, they still credit the original artists. So. That makes sense. There's a lot going on there. So this is the Elite Four battle theme.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Elite Four theme from the game Pokemon Black and White, composed by a variety of cats, including Minako Adachi, Go Ichinose, Junichi Masuda, also one of the creators from Game Freak, Hitomi Sato, Tomoaki Oga, and Hideaki Kuroda. So, for a long time, this was probably my favorite Elite Four battle theme. And one of my favorite battle themes in the entire series. This because one. Yeah. this is tense as the dick. Yeah, it sounds like it's, it's got that Pernell tr- feel to it that uh, I associate with like, game music that you like, where it's like it ramps up a lot of tension and there's a lot, it's really usually faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still has that theme right here. Yes, the where it's, it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's almost like the, uh, 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 the trainer battle theme. It kind of sneaks in there a little bit. Yeah, sneaks right in there. It's like, you can do it! I know you're a little terrified, but here's a little, <laughs> here's a little jizz of a jazz of lighter music just to kind of slip in there and make you so, feel a little, a little lively. And so, uh, it's been a long time since I've, a very, very long time since I played a Pokemon game, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but the Elite Four, is this still like the end of the game for well, the future of games? That's, nowadays, they've gotten weirder about it, so... Sometimes it'll be like the final set of stuff, and it usually is, but yeah. now they have, sometimes they'll have like more post-gamey stuff, like the last one, it was the Ultra Beast. You know, once you beat the Elite Four, it was like, okay, these weird space Pokemon sh- come out of nowhere, now you have to go catch them too. But for the most part, the Elite Four have been the final stretch before the credits will roll in the game. The Elite Four than the champion. Right. And then you go home and it's like, hey, put your name on this computer and here are all your cool Pokemon that you oh, yeah. might never use yeah, again that's right. because you didn't EV train them. Now, there's some new ones, right? There's like a Poke- Let's Go Pokemon something, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just called Let's Go. Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Nice. Probably the first ones I'll be skipping in a long, long time. Oh, really? Which is I funny because I even bought Ultra Sun and Moon. So what's going on with Eevee and, and Pikachu then? So they are more so, at least in my eyes, mm-hmm. they were designed to be games meant to do two things. Be a kid's purse Pokemon game. Okay. Three things. Two, <laughs> be a remake of Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh, okay. And so that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. And three, make a nice, um, a nice bridge between players who like Pokemon Go and to get them into the Pokemon Core series. Uh, how, how so, though? Are, are there are there augmented reality elements to this game, then? Not so much that, but, uh, for example, Pokemon battles, like normal Pokemon wild battles, don't happen anymore. Instead, what happens is you'll see Pokemon moving around on the map, you walk into them, and you enter a catch sequence similar to how Pokemon Go does it, and you have to, like, throw Pokeballs at them and try oh. to get them trapped in the ball, which... I'm not going to lie, that part almost doesn't bother me so much. I'd rather it be, like, less than me just throwing, lobbing balls or whatever with this blasted, you know, Joy-Con. But I will admit that I had a point over the years where fighting wild Pokemon is one of the more unenjoyable things in the series at this point for me. Like, I like, right. I like trainer battles. And I like like competitions, right? You want to just be able to just jump right in. Like, there's no you know, you're seeing less and less of a point of doing the of doing like the wild Pokemon battles. Like, I just want to catch them so I can just do the the real fun fights, like the, the more complicated stuff. Yeah, because to me, yeah. I feel like the whole weaken them, make sure they're paralyzed, and lob a bunch of balls. Like, right. I'm like, you know, I could. I've done this for like seven, eight games now. Mm-hmm. More if you include the remakes. I could totally do with a more clean way of catching Pokemon. That makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. 
So like that part, I'm not so you know up in the f about. But it's more about the fact that uh, they took a lot of the quality of life improvements out of the games. Um, they they reduced the Pokemon count down to the original 51 plus like this new Meltan, which I want but I'll never get because I'm not going to buy the game and then play a ridiculous amount of Pokemon Go to get it. Okay, so I'm okay with them reducing the amount of Pokemon. What happened to the rest of them? Though? They don't exist in this world until today. Until another game comes out. Did like a Thanos situation happen? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Professor Oak snapped his fingers. And, well, there you go. All those other Pokemon regions just. They don't, they're not connected to Kanto anymore. Oh, wow. A lot, lot of, in the meanwhile, there's a lot of ash floating around the sky, and we're not talking ketchup. Oh, boy. That's a sad, sad world for Pokemon. <laughs> but a good day for us, the but players. A, for, well, for some players. Pokemon players. That's right. right. And, and for me, it's a good way to save 60 bucks, so yeah, hey, why not? I'm not yeah. stressing it. That's good. It stays out of your uh, your competitive scope, right? Yes, right. Though right. I have to say, before we move on, so... Yeah. Favorite Pokemon... Well, some of them, because there's a lot of decent ones in this one. From Pokemon Black and White were Punk Monkey, which was the <laughs> grass monkey. The funky monkey. Uh-uh. Yeah. Drill Mole. That is Excadrill. Mm. You know, Dancing Flower Lady, who is Lilligant. Wait, is that the actual name, Dancing Flower Lady? Nah, she's Lilligant. But oh, I Lilligant. Like, what okay. a weird name for her. Uh... Dwibble the Dweeb, which is just like a little, like a little sand crab man. <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, punk, uh, another punk. You know, Greaser Scrafty. He's like a, uh, he has like droopy pants, but he, <laughs> and he's got like a mohawk. He's clearly like another punker type, okay. or like character. Is he? Is he a punk type? Is that what he is? <laughs> he should be a punk type, but he is a dark type. So there you go. Okay. Um, Cell Baby, also known as Reuniclus. He's he's literally he's pretty much a living cell baby. <laughs> cell baby. Like like I'm living like a cell, like skins like your oh. cell, like cells in your body. Oh weird. It's really weird, oh, but it's so awesome. Weird. But like a baby, like a pacifier. He looks like diaper. a well you have like, to look up a picture, but he didn't have a password, but he looks like a baby. Like I, I love that, like, by introduction to newer Pokemon, as you just describing it, where it's like, no, it's like a cell, it's like a skin cell, but like a baby. Like a, a skin baby. It's a greaser, dark type, moving on. Let <laughs> me tell you more. Fat Royalty Jellicent is a large blue, like, jellyfish that floats, and he's awesome. All right, we need to have a game where you, you tell me these things, and I try to draw them. <laughs> Garbage bag. Garbage bag. There's a garbage bag Pokemon. And Kevin Durant the Durant. Kevin Durant Durant. Durant Durant. His name is Rio. <laughs> He's and he crunches with his fangs. Alright, I, um, I need to bring this I need to bring this tension down. I, I'm sorry, you finished. Oh yeah, I'm good. There was more Pokemon, but I don't want to spend this whole day <laughs> talking about weird Pokemon names. Alright, my last track is from the game Intelligent Cube for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Takayuki Hattori. And this is the first track. It's called The First Tide. Um, I played some music in a past episode. I was on our classical music episode. Um, and it was, I think it was like a, the fourth or fifth stage. And it's, this is an amazing, amazing score. Um, and I wanted to play more from it. It's just so nice. It's so well composed. You would never think it's from a video game. They fooled you! It's so good. So this is The First Tide from Intelligent Cube, composed by... Takayuki Hattori.
The First Tide from Intelligent Cube for the Sony PlayStation, composed by Takayuki Hattori. And yeah, you were like, this has got to be like the ending theme, right? <laughs> I really thought it was the ending theme, because I've never played Intelligent Cube. Now, granted, I think I'm playing like an arranged or like the CD version of the track, where I think it's like the full um, score mm-hmm. of, of the one song, because I think it does loop, because these these stages can go on for, for quite a while, but... It's, it's a challenging game. This is one of my favorite puzzle games. It's like you're this tiny little guy in this huge, like, gray space, and there's just these cubes rolling at you. Doom, 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 constantly. And they're, and they're so big compared to your little guy. And there's, like, a voice going, like, clear the blocks, or, like, perfect when you, when you clear all the blocks and stuff like that. And what you do is you um, you light up the floor um, with, a, with a, like, a color, and then when the cube falls on it, it'll hit it and explode. And you have to hit them in certain sequences so that if they fall, like maybe the ones will explode other ones. Oh, like some, a domino effect. Yeah, some or cascade effect. Some blocks are the forbidden blocks, and you can't blow those up, otherwise the whole thing explodes. Um, it's very it's very challenging, it's very hard. If, if you die, it's I was just looking this up on um, on the internet, but there's a lot of like weird stuff that I remember in this game that's just so strange. 
like if you fall down, like if you fall off the stage or if you get crushed, like you fall through this this pit forever. It's like a bottomless pit. And he just screams the whole time. It's really creepy. Like he screams and he's like, I'm still falling. Like, he ah! just stops screaming. Oh, yeah, just, well, can I just hit the ground already? Oh. Yeah. And then if you fail, it just says you failed for a super long time. Like it doesn't go away. You <laughs> failed. Yeah, it's like you failed. If you're starting your stage again, it's like you failed. <laughs> And he's back. <laughs> that um, was broken. Um, but, but yeah, it's yeah. a great, it's a great, it's a great puzzle game. It's a really strange puzzle game. But so the whole thing is in black and white, and it's always cubes. It's not, it's not totally black and white, but it's very, very grayscale. The cubes are mainly, I think, they're green, hmm. and some of the cubes are black. Uh, some of the cubes, uh, when you blow them up, they're red. So okay. it's very simple looking, and it's, it's a really good puzzle. It's in the bottom, like your score is your IQ. In, <laughs> oh, one of those games. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't make any Who sense. Who wants to play... What was that Nintendo game? Brain Age. Brain Age. Oh, jeez. Your brain is the size of a walnut. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. I'll play more Brain Age and make sure my brain isn't stupid. That was a fine example of a game <laughs> that had a multiplayer mode that made you literally feel stupid oh. if you lost. Hey, everyone, do math with your friends as fast as you can. Wait a minute. I've lost six in a row. Am I an idiot? Because <laughs> <laughs> I love the game, but yes, I exactly how I would I, feel sometimes. We talked about this before. We played competitive brain age, and like losing me, the the loser just feels dumb. So you're just fighting not to feel stupid. It's like come on, it is the most stressful thing in the world. I know mathematics. Oh, it's so stressful. Um, it's it's the fast ones. The ones where like uh, you had to do things quickly, like move things quickly or pick things fast. It'll be either like solving math problems. I feel like the multiplayer was only the math problems, but I right. could be wrong. But there was math problems. There was times where it was like find the proper shape that fits into the slot, but yeah. you have to do it in like a split second. It would say like do red like pick red squares, and it would show like a red circle or show a blue square, and it would like kind of mess you up. And so you would try to do them as quickly as possible. And faster than everybody else. And they had this and if you weird tagline where they seriously believed that if you played every day, <laughs> you would actually become smarter. Mm. And I feel like for as fun as the game was, and the fact that I did do that for a little while just to see if this, because it kept tracking your scores, so it was cool to see the graph get built out. Yeah. But in the end, I still was like, it's just, it isn't making me smarter, it's just making me better at this game. This game. I feel, I still feel like, like games in general can keep your mind sharp. I play a lot of Sudoku, mm -hmm. and, re and recently now a lot of Tetris with the new game Tetris Effect. And I feel like it, I, I'm not playing all the time, but I play, I feel like every once in a while it sort of just, it sort of wakes my brain up, you know, I'm not, I might be kind of fuzzy and I'll play through a few things and, and working through puzzles, especially Sudoku, I feel really helps. Why, well, honestly, and it's kind of weird as I say this, and I'm sure if a listener wants to, I, I don't think it's this, making I want smarter. To, no, 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 not <laughs> even. Yeah. I understand that. But yeah. I mean, like, and if a listener wants to be like, no, you're full of crap, Pernell. We're friends. I can appreciate that. But <laughs> I honestly feel Wait. like wow, it, it, outside of games, like, I feel like the majority of common activities don't really work the brain. You're generally just being complacent in your day-to-day -day activities. Like, drive to the store to pick up some groceries, which are pretty much a staple. You always, you pretty much always know what you're going to get. I'm a, I don't know, man. I make that a game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit this section first, get my bread, and I know that section is going to be busy, so I'm going to go back the other way, 
to get my milk. I'm doing all this before I get to the store. And you know the freezer aisle has the bear traps lined up. Right. So you can't <laughs> step in there until some other poor sap triggers them first. Exactly. So I have to go to the meat section first, collect the power-up that allows me to jump over the cereal aisle to pick up my coffee. Yeah, but then remember, when you get to the coffee, I get to answer the three very fast-paced riddles. That's okay. I, I speed mode, I've already gotten the one-up from the fresh fish section. <laughs> Why would the one-up be in the fresh fish section? It's the last place you would look. Yeah, because no one likes underwater levels. And fish are lucky, and no one likes underwater levels. Yeah. I'm telling you. All back, all came all, all came back around for now. Always come back to water levels. All right, what's your last track? And it's better not be a water level. Now. Honestly, if this game has water levels, I would scream. All right, this game has the longest title I've ever typed. Man, this is one of those games. I'm glad this is one of those wilder episodes where it made me think of a game I want to go back and play more of because so it's a cool idea. And that game is Super Robot Wars Original Generations Moon Dwellers. And the, that's the title. That's the title of the game. Yes, and the track title is called Charge the Soul of Fighters. And this is another case of, I'll read the composers after, because there's a lot of them. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm wondering why. It's likely just because I didn't find a source that actually <laughs> broke out who composed what, and this game has a lot of music in it. Oh, wow. All right, cool. Well, let's check this out. Super Robot Wars Original Generation Moon Dwellers, go! <laughs>
Well, turn down that red hot passion. Oof. Because we need to get back to chatting about Super Robot Wars Original Generations Moon Dwellers track title Charge the Soul of Fighters composed by one or more of these people. <laughs> Satoru Okada, Mikoto Reno, Yusuke or Yosuke, Sekina, Naofumi Suruyama, Takuya Hanaoka, Kayoko Matsushima, Shuji Ota, Mix. Koji Hayama and Hironobu Kageyama. Wow. That's a lot of names a lot of for a lot of swank beats. Super Robot Wars, what the heck is this yeah, game? So is this like um like an RPG fighter? Um tactical RPG that has been running for a ridiculously long time in Japan. Oh, really? oh so this I to me, because this to me this I thought this looked like something completely new. Well, they make new games, mm -hmm. but the series has been around since, like, the SNES, at least, if oh, not maybe even the NES. I don't remember if it was on the NES or not. But uh, the series has pretty much been a tactical strategy RPG mm -hmm. that revolved around taking mechs, mechas from various anime and manga and combining them into one really big, wild, crazy sci-fi plot. Did they have to be, were they all from, like, the same production house? I don't even think they're from the same production house. They just go just all, all over the place. The place. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I know they have another one coming out. They just announced it in the last couple of days, and they're finally, and for the record, I didn't even know Cowboy Bebop had a mecha, but I guess it does have a mecha in there at some point. But um, they announced that Cowboy Bebop will be in it, and Hikaru from Magic Knight Ray Earth will be in it. They had some really cool jets and planes. Maybe it'll be one of their. Maybe it'll be one of those, like a general. Oh no, plane. no, the um, uh, Faye Valentine. Her her plane had like these big uh, claws that she used to like pick up things. Hmm. But everything in that movie or that series was like almost like functional in a way, you know. And that's why I'm curious about what they mean, or maybe I should just watch the show and see if I can glimpse, get a glimpse of what they're probably going to utilize for the game. Ah, they might just make something up. But, like, I know I've always wanted to play a Super Robot Wars game, mm. and for years they were coming out in Japan, not getting releases here, and I mm. guess there were some fan translations, but I'm not the best <laughs> at seeking those out and using them, plus I'm afraid of boats now. Um, so maybe not so much there. True. But uh, when the PS4 came out... They announced Super Robot Wars OG Moon Dwellers, and it mentioned getting an Asian release, which had a s English translation on it, hmm. and the system was region-free, so I kind of jumped on it and accidentally bought two copies of the same game. Fortunately, a friend was kind enough to buy one of those copies off of me, but uh, I had the game, uh -huh. and I started playing it for a little bit and lost track because, you know... This is me we're talking about. But <laughs> well, when I started it, I was having a great time. All the battles are really over the top and ridiculous. It's like every battle feels like a major anime battle scene. Love it. Every road, they're always using like one of their, one of their not so much final attacks, mm -hmm. but one of their usual, so this is when the battle gets real type of attacks. Like the very <laughs> first sword attack I had my mech use, <laughs> the guy ran up, slashed him like five times, and then did, ran back, gave a quote, the sword charged up again, and he ran through, slashed through the guy, and he exploded, but he wasn't dead yet. He was still alive. So it's like every every move you do is the is like the one thing that they've been hiding this whole time, their secret power. Yeah, it's like now, for the fate of the world and for my grandpa, I will smash your face with this serrated blade. 
why am I smashing with a blade? Don't ask questions. The <laughs> point is I'm funny. going to do it. And they probably said a whole line of dialogue as the attack is taking place. Well, it makes sense that there's there's a whole lot of music in this game then because there's probably all this different theme music for all the different characters yep, and all exactly. the and everything. That's really cool. Every character pretty much has their own theme. Mm, I like it. And it's just freaking good, man. Super cool. And the best part about it is if you're really into like anime, classic anime for most certainly, is that since these characters are all in the same game, you'll come across scenarios where they're like kind of working together mm. and having conversations with each other. It's like, hmm, what the heck would the guy piloting the mech from, I don't know, like one of the Gundam gang, from Gundam Wing, how would he feel about chatting with that dude from that other manga, Mazinger Z? Right. There, I'm like, I'm looking, I'm pulling, like, I gotta remember the whole That's pretty good. Ones. Mazinger Z, I mean, that's. Mm -hmm. To pull that out. Which reminds me of just a random story. Listener, it's actually a listener to the show and a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. name is Tim. Uh, many years ago, we were visiting Seattle, Washington for PAX, a Penny Arcade Expo. And while we were there, we stopped in, I guess it was like a space museum or some sort of space and air museum that they had out there. Okay. And while we were walking around, just looking at the sights, out of nowhere, Tim just yells out, Oh my God, they've got Goggle V! Who the hell is Goggle V? What are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, we just talking out of it, talking out of thin air. No, yeah. this is like some old, like 1970s Japanese mech manga that he recognized in the museum. And he flipped out about it. What was it doing in the museum? It was an, it was an exhibit. Oh, that's crazy. There was an exhibit for it. I was like, I think it cut off. No, we're still going. Oh, weird. Oh, I just, I have it zoomed out. Oh, interesting. There you go. No one knows what just happened. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Oh, so I, I, was, I thought it was like the National Air and Space Museum that you were, you were talking about. Yeah, it wasn't like the National Air and Space. It was just like, because it was like some museum in Seattle, so I don't remember what it was exactly called. Hmm. But they just had this random exhibit featuring this Goggle V mech just kind of chilling there. <laughs> that's and awesome. he recognized it and got ecstatic. We need to have more actual giant robots. Whether they move or not, I think we just need to build more of them. Yes, we just do. Just have. Because I'm going to tell you, if we could settle our differences <laughs> with giant mechs fighting over the ocean. Yes. Robot jocks. Have you seen that movie from the 70s? Mm -mm. It's not good. <laughs> but yet you recommend you guys see it? Yes, because the, the animation, it's all like stop motion. The, the, the stop motion animation is really awesome. Uh -huh. Is that working for you? Yeah, it's still okay, good. Cool. It just probably wasn't fully plugged in. Um, yeah, it's the stop motion animation of the robots is really neat, um, but it's not a great movie. But it's about like yeah, it's these um, uh, the nations of the world settle their differences in these enormous robot battles. Um, a lot of the movie, or a lot of the fights and like the, um, the the fighting styles of the robots from that movie, that big robot movie Pacific Rim, mm -hmm. are based off of this. Oh, yeah. Did they actually include it? And if you don't know this, this is all totally cool, but yeah. do you know if Pacific Rim referenced those movies in it as if it was a thing that existed in their universe? I don't think so. Because that would be hilarious. No, no, I don't think so. Because, like, these... And Robot, Robot Jocks, when that's the name of the movie, Robot Jocks, <laughs> they... Yeah, no, they're, they're not fighting giant monsters or aliens. I don't think there's any aliens or, or monsters. They, they're fighting each other to settle, like... Disputes, which I actually I like that more. Yeah, I like it? that too. It reminds me also kind yeah. of um, it was an old anime that I still need to go back and watch called like Battle Athletes, 
where like the nation's like t- most yes. athletic women yes enter into like this athletic sports competition. Was it called battle athletes? Battle athletes. Yeah, I remember that. And then it turns out that the real reason that they're actually having all these women compete against each other is because they need to then make them compete against like an alien invasion. Yeah, I remember that. And it's, it's just the weirdest plot. Yeah, it's, it was all about it's all about the the, uh, the follow like the story of like a young girl who joins or gets thrown into it, and it's all about her training and then racing against the other people, and then but yeah, but like they're all training towards like saving the world or something against from an yeah. alien invasion, which, but it's disguised as sports. Which in its end is sort of like Ender's Game, where it's all these kids with like who are super super smart are thrown into space to become space captains, and so you think that they're. That they're um, doing, you know, war game exercises, mm-hmm. but it turns out that they're actually training to actually become, you know, full fledged captains. If I remember correctly, weren't they? Or maybe this is a different. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that? Wasn't there one where they actually were fighting the aliens while they thought they were playing a game? Yeah, that's kind of the end uh-huh. of the book. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, there's a, oh, there's a movie of that too. It's okay. <laughs> the movie. The movie's okay. It's. Is it is probably is it good enough to be like, hey, I just want to get a taste for this world? I think so. I think so, but you don't get the full emotional value, or not value, but like the resonance of it forever that from reading of the, uh, the Orson Scott card. Yeah, uh, it's. A, I mean, it's it's a good book. It's a good read. It, it's. I, I I recommend it. You um, don't get a full story, but you get a good meal. I'm gonna turn the track down, and we are going to get into the bonus round. For my hundred fathers and twenty mothers. Mm. Bonus for, round. For my thousandth Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The bonus round is here. <laughs> bonus round is here. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on our theme. Um, in this case, I'm actually going to play um, a brand new track. So at the beginning of the episode, we talked about how there was um, listening to music uh, before playing the game and then the music not living up to the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard music from uh, the new game Tetris Effect, and it has lived up to the gameplay because it's, I mean, it's exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be playing the track from uh, the very last stage of Journey Mode, which is... The oh, did new- you, you actually beat it? Yeah, I finished. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Tetris. Uh, you heard that here first, folks. I, Rob beat a game. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not really over. There's a lot to do. Oh. There's a lot to do in this game. But I finished the journey mode all the way through. And this, the last track is called, uh, last stage is called Metamorphosis. And the track is called Always Been But Never Dreamed. And the I think the full OST hasn't been released. But there's, um, after you finish the, the game, the proper game, there are... Play, you can actually rewatch the stages without playing through it. Oh, so you can just see the background like the, animations? Yeah, and you can listen to the track. And you can actually play, you can hit the buttons like you were moving pieces, but without actually moving the pieces to affect the music. Hmm. So someone actually captured that and uploaded it to YouTube. Thank you so much, whoever did that. Um, and so this is composed by Noburo Muto, who did, uh, I think, almost all of the music for the game, uh, along with some other like vocalists and, and other artists. Uh, but I think he was the sole one on this. And it's, again, always been but never dreamed. And this is from the theater mode gameplay from Tetris Effect. Come follow me. I'll show you the side of the world, the places that you'll never see. Come follow me. Come follow me. I'll show you the side of yourself, the person that you've always been, but never dreamed. 
Effect um, from the stage metamorphosis in the theater mode uh, gameplay composed by Noburo Muto. Sounds like Noburo Muto needs to actually sleep eight hours a night so he can reach REM and then maybe he then can dream. He will dream. Um, I feel like you, listening to this music, you can just kind of close your eyes and it just kind of draws you in. Every track is, is not exactly like that. Even like some of the more intense, like, like rhythm heavy tracks are all really hypnotic, super hypnotic in a way. Well, that's definitely the, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, yeah, this the, is just tet- the Tetris version of Synesthesia. Yeah. And that was, I know that term has been going around for a while because it's an actual thing. Yeah. But uh, being able to see sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that the idea is that it's it's like any, I forget the, the, the name of the, the director or the, the, the developer, but he did Res 
and uh, Lumina, Luminous, Luminous, or, Luminous, or however you want to say it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, had that fight the idea that the, 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 the gameplay and the visuals and the music all affect each other. Mm-hmm. So having Tetris doing the same thing and then creating like this whole immersive, like just visual craziness that, that it just, it's very, very hypnotic and it pulls you into that state. It's the perfect feeling. I feel like there's still, there's still room to like, depths the plum there though. Like, because Tetris is a game I love. I've, I don't think I'll ever stop liking Tetris. Mm-hmm. And I like Tetris Effect. But kind of like how it was with Lumines, I feel like there is room for... Like, it can be done differently. Like, maybe, like, the type of game or the type of puzzle game, maybe, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would really invoke that sense. Like, for one, maybe if things came from more than one direction. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that... I'm hoping that this that this style and that this game itself maybe inspires other other games to to incorporate those features well i mean into into newer newer gameplay i definitely would like that too though it's a hard guess only because this director has had multiple successes Mm -hmm. and like both sales and as far as acclaimed ratings go Mm But to this day, he is pretty much the only game in town <laughs> for this style of gameplay. I know. Well, I mean, the only game, the only game. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I think we live. We're living in an age now where there's more, many more players than there were in the past, or more so, even just more, more developers. And now it's associated to Tetris. That's it's been now it's being exposed to more people. Synesthesia, poyo, poyo. Everyone would, people would kill themselves. They <laughs> couldn't work. Yeah, oh, that'd be that'd be so cool. Like generative backgrounds and music. That's the thing. I don't think it can work. Like poyo, poyo is one of the most stressful games. How how about a magical drop? That could work for that's, someone like me. Work, yeah, because it's very fast paced, but it's good for Zen. Like mm-hmm. I used to play Magical Drop Threes, the console version. Yeah, I used to play the adventure mode or not the adventure, but the endless mode in that. And as that would go, was that the level would start narrow, and then eventually it would become like uh, the length of the entire screen mm-hmm. of bubbles falling. You have to run yeah, around, grab them, and throw them back you, up. You, your brain, you're like you just shut your brain down, and it's just you're just working exactly you're working through it. Yeah. Like I used to be so I was that good. For that game, that I could play it for a good three hours straight yeah. and not die. Yeah, that's the quote unquote Tetris effect that they mm-hmm. talk about. And the music is playing in your head as you're doing it's like, like yes, <laughs> this is this is just fantastic. Yeah, but imagine that, but with the music accompanying the gameplay and like drawing you further and further and further and having it evolve as as the game plays, that'd be amazing. But mm-hmm. um, but we talked about Tetris enough. So what is your final track? Well, my final track is going to be from a surprise one that I just kind of looked up and came across. It sounded great. I'm like, I want to listen to this some more, possibly on the show. So let's do that. This track is a remix of the track Laughter from the game Fantasy Star 4. And it was redone as a cover by artist that goes by the name of Zestros. Zethros. Zethros. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Zethros. Yeah, Zethros.
hope you enjoyed that because if you didn't, I'd be concerned because I like that so very much. I like that too. I love the Fantasy Star 4 um, soundtrack to begin with. And if you look up this artist, and we'll have links to it, um, this artist on our website, um, he does remixes of other video game music pieces on YouTube. And they all have like kind of this cool synth, synth wavy kind of dark synth pop sound to it. That's really neat. And honestly, mm. you really can't go wrong with Fancy Star 4's OST. It's just, it's a banger from it's beginning awesome. to end. There's so many great tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. just to reiterate, Fancy Star 4 laughter cover by artist Zethros. Yeah, it was very, very good. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like more information on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. And we'll have links to their band camps and sound clouds or YouTube pages everywhere where you can get this music and support the artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 15-10 of Rhythm and Pixels. Uh, this is our fourth wildcard episode, which is amazing. That after 150-some episodes, this is only our fourth wildcard. I'm actually fine with that. I like, I like that when they come up, they feel kind of... It's an interesting thing. It's almost like saying, hey, the original plan we had in mind didn't work out. What do we do? Wildcard! <laughs> and I can't say the full quote because that would be rate, no longer rated G. But if you watch <laughs> if you watch the show that you know I'm thinking about, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, these these tend to come when um, our, our original plans fall through a little bit or, or guests, you know, have to reschedule. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's okay because that makes them something you look forward to almost. It's like it's not like yeah. it's not like, oh no, we lost a guest it's like or we had to postpone an episode. It's like, yay! <laughs> Finally, a chance to wildcard. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, what was your favorite track? Why don't you let us know and send us an email? Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like uh, more information about our show and, and a full track listing from all of our episodes and access to all of our episodes, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Um, you can see us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, all those places. It's Rhythm and Pixels all one word and if you'd like to support the show just go ahead and hit the subscribe or like button or whatever you're listening on that would be really really great and share with your friends tell your friends it's always helpful and if you'd like to support us in other ways head on over to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels and you can help us out there um, and at the end of every episode we'd like to thank all of our patreon subscribers um, along with um, Patreon subscribers also get access to monthly live streams of us recording every episode where they um, they are suggestions of all the tracks of that episode. Uh, but not this month, because this month we wanted to just open it up to everyone so everyone can see what we're doing and see our lovely faces and, and all of that for our podcast anniversary show. But I want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. Brian Kunkel, Alex the Messenger, Messenger, Bobby Arson, The Autistic Gamer, Mark Shrout, Cameron Worma, Christopher Senstrom, Damien Beckles, Wicked is Sephiroth, OK Impala, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, Henrik Anderson of the Camouflage Commodore 64 podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, Brian Pitt, Morton Gangso, Chris Marie, 
<laughs> Every episode you're going to extend it a little more. A little bit, a little different. Um, Solus Sanctuary, John Jickle, Joe Vassalo, Chris Steenerson, and Dat David Smith. Dat David! Dat David Smith. Thank you all so much for your continued support. I have one more podcast I want to plug at the end of the show, and it is called K- KVGM The Last Wave. Um, it just started. Uh, I don't know the guy's name. The guy. The guy's name is Hammock, and it's all just super chill, super jazzy video game music. He's the only host. He has a little bit of talking and just plays really good music. There's two episodes out there. I highly suggest it if you like video game music. If you like really chill stuff, it's really worth it. KV, KVGM the last wave i feel like if he ever branches away from chill music he'll be doing his name a disservice <laughs> i think so yeah i think that's why he named himself hammock <laughs> Hammer! it's, it's, it's spelled hammock like you would think you would lay in a hammock he lives in the hammock district that's on third <laughs> there's no simpsons reference had to do it um so you gotta get out of here because you're doing another podcast after this yeah um, i'm burning it on like five ends here i don't know how you're doing it no sleep mm. And lots of pep from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Well, while I ha- yo yo, they're the Mario Brothers. While I have you on recording, the game. On recording, can I? Uh, are you gonna make it out to Thanksgiving dinner? I do believe so, because if I don't now, it's record it, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> it doesn't have to stay in the record. Dun, dun, dun. But I just thought I'd bring it up before I forget. Yeah, I do believe I will be heading out there. All right. I'm still trying to figure out if my family's doing anything this year, but regardless, I'll be doing both if, if they are. So I'm doing yeah. two things, I'll two like- dinners, two spaghetti meals in one day. No, it's not spaghetti, but we're doing a lot of desserts. Oh, oh, that's right. Bam! Now we're making a whole lot of desserts. So, But one of them should be spaghetti. <laughs> the spaghetti for dessert? Yeah! Spaghetti for dessert and ice cream for breakfast. That's now or two. Yes, buddy. <laughs> Why? This is what forward thinking is all about. Why has this happened yet? Let's plan all this out now. All right, well, thanks for joining us on Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Thank you so much. Have a safe week. Good night. And remember, this is a little late because you'll be hearing this today, days (laughs) after, but be thankful for something, for anything. It's hard sometimes, I know, because we live in the go-go, not 90s. Not anymore, nineties. Right. And uh, mm. what that typically means is chasing, the, chasing from chasing money, chasing objects, chasing things, chasing love, chasing foxes, squirrels, ducks, and toads, chasing anything you can get your hands on to make yourself feel good. And in the process of that madcap chase, you tend to forget about the things you've already caught that should make you feel at least kind of at peace or content with at least how things are going. So that even though you want to continue the chase, it's not so bad to not quite catch it, catch the, your prey at, at that time. Be thankful, be grateful for things that you've got because it could always slide down here if it happens. And if it does, just fight harder because you can climb just back. You can climb right back up too. It's not the end of the world. Great, great. I like that. Okay.